Hey, does your marketing effort include asking questions? Well, I sure hope it does, because when you ask questions, you provide a better service and product to your patients and members. We thought we'd take this one step further. In our updated software, Trust Driven Care, which you can check out at trustdrivencare.com, we added in a whole survey module. Now, why did we add this in? Well, over the last five years, surveys have become wildly popular as a great way to get information from prospective clients and even current clients. You can ask surveys about how are we doing? What exercises do you like the most? You can even send a survey a year after somebody got discharged to ask them what they remember about your office. Those things can help refine and build your marketing efforts. They can also help refine and build your customer service efforts. But we thought they were so important, we added an entire module of surveys to our software. Based on the questions, automation can happen. Based on the answers they give, you can send them access to a course, or you could send that person into a different website, or you could automatically register a task for somebody to reach out to them and call them. Let's say if they weren't satisfied or their back still hurts, give them a call. But surveys are so powerful, and that's one of the new features that we added to Trust Driven Care. Check it out at trustdrivencare.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. This is Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited for you to be on this journey. Look, when I started my Clinic Gym Hybrid back in 2013, I didn't have a place to go for resources. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. I hope you dig this interview. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley. And I'm excited today to be joined by Dr. Justin Rubinowitz. Justin, what is up? I am. I'm excited to be back, and I think I messaged you that we have somebody listening to our episode back in 2018. So we have some traction over almost like five years now, which is yeah. awesome. So I appreciate you having me on again. Absolutely, man. Well, this is actually the first episode in you know like season six for me. I don't know. I haven't really broken into seasons, but I'm kind of took a break, and now we're back. So this is like yeah, season six of the podcast. So no better person to uh, start off with, but. You and I have been talking for a while. You, um, if you want to tell everybody what you do, but basically Justin helps people get their, if you're doing the kind of chiropractic that we like, <laughs> Justin helps you build the, the core pieces of your business. So it actually works to, you know, feed your family, pay your bills, keep you happy. Uh, what did I miss there? It's just very basic on, we believe two things in, you know, our rehab chiropractic niche that we should treat patients, you know, in a world class class way and also have a world-class business. And I've always sort of believed both of those to be true. And now we're able to help people on the business side because, you know, prior to, you know, me doing it, I had to go elsewhere to find that type of help in other professions. So now I want to bring it to the Kairos and rehab Kairos. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I look at it as kind of like a three-part like Venn diagram, like the business has to be healthy. You have to work to get the patient healthy. And then the doctor has to be healthy because, you know, if you have like an insurance issue where you have to get down to 10 minutes uh, of visits, you might have a decently healthy business just from the number of the number of visits you're seeing an hour, but the doctor's not healthy because they're working themselves to the bone. They're not getting the personal enjoyment of seeing people get better, et cetera, et cetera. And so all three of those have to work. And so many times they're way off base. So I'm glad that you are doing that. And I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. 
It's also a business lesson is to remember the success. I just got off of our sales training call for our team. And one of the things we do is the beginning of that call is on celebrating success. So our sales team understands. And so like our, our clinicians say like we had Sally come in last week. She's been to four other places mm. and she said, I've never felt better. And we do that. We had like four of them today where I had to cut them off because it was just, we had to get the other things. But um, to your point, like we have to get the people better. We also feel better when we know we're getting results with people and they feel so right. good. So it's a huge, it's a huge part of the process. Absolutely. I think uh, people just, sometimes doctors get this mentality, especially if they're only in the office where I'm just going to work and I'll get my satisfaction. I'll get my, uh, you know, positive, positive vibes later. And it's like, it gets put off forever and they never do. So, but here's the goal of today. I I propose this question to Justin. I, I think that one of the issues facing listeners to my podcast, people that are coming to our courses, people are going to your courses and everywhere within the chiropractic world is we are aiming too low at what the standard income of a chiropractor should be. Like it's, you know, inflation is rising. Cost of living is rising. Uh, cost of doing business is rising. Everything is rising. Yet people are still of this mentality that like 70 to 80 grand a year is going to be a sufficient salary. And I just don't think that's the case. In fact, I think that you're losing money if you're making 70 to 80 grand a year, you know, especially, I mean, you just had your first kid within the last year. It, it doesn't get cheaper. You have another kid, it doesn't get cheaper. And then they get into sports or they want to travel or you want to go see the grandparents. You know, all those things start getting uh, parasitically more expensive. And I think that the, the focus point of what people need to just say, like, am I making enough? It's, I think that the, the, the point we should be aiming at is much higher than 70, 80 grand a year. Do you agree yeah. with this? I, I absolutely. And I think it's, you know, one of the things I often teach people is it's okay to believe two things at exactly the same time because they're both true. And so mm-hmm. while we definitely need to aim higher, and I think absolutely do, also understanding that, you know, early on in a business as an entrepreneur and a doctor, um, there's a level of patience that has to occur to get there. Uh, but to your point, if you're shooting for something low, you're going to hit it. Um, and so being able to think, all right, I need to take the time and I need to build patience and build business skills to get there. And then, but what is there and how far do I want to push it? And so I think your point is exactly correct, where if we start to kind of extrapolate out what is possible, I always said with my mentor, the best thing that he did with me was just show me what is possible. And it always gave me something to shoot for. Sometimes it was overwhelming, but at the end of the day, I knew that there was more out there for me. And because of that, I was able to kind of take the steps intentionally to get there. Yeah. It's a great point talking about mentors too, because uh, a big mentor in my life has been Greg Rose, who you can't argue the man's been super successful with TPI and all those things. And he, he asked a question one time to me about a table of providers. And I thought it was just so different than the questions most people ask, which I think is a sign of a great mentor is the question they ask. And he said, he looked at me, I was describing something. He said, okay, so what if that's successful? Like, what if you hit all these things, assuming you're a smart person, you work hard, you're, what if you get all those things? And you know, you and I had that conversation about second order consequences, but it's so funny. Like if you aim at making 80 grand a year, what happens if you get there? Like, is that, is that really where you want to be? And you got to be fairly realistic, but not so realistic or standard that it's just boring. Um, but it's so funny. I think about that and it's like, yeah, what if you, what if you aim at 90 grand and you do get it? Well, it's not anywhere near enough, you know? So it's, um, it's important to kind of think about those things. So, um, yeah. So here's my thought, buddy. What I would love to do is 
we talked about this beforehand, but here's the, the situation on AMAC. I think chiropractors, especially we're talking just to be tight, only an owner of a clinic, right? We're not talking about a staff person, somebody working for somebody else. But I think a chiropractor who owns a clinic should be making $200,000 a year. And, and what I mean by that is that's the take-home money going to you as the clinician, as the owner, as everything. But you on your taxes show that last year you made $200,000, right? And to me, what that means, you know, with taxes, you're going to lose about a third of it. Um, but getting over the hump means you can basically live anywhere in the, in the U.S., maybe not in downtown New York City and downtown Los Angeles and downtown San Francisco, but you can live anywhere in the U.S. You can afford to pay your loans. You can afford to live a decent life. You know, you're, you're not eating at, uh, uh, Chateau Monmon every, every day, but you, you can afford to take your buddy to an Applebee's, you know, as long as it's happy hour. Uh, but it's just, you're living a decent life. You can afford a vacation, you know, you upgrade your cars every few years, like the things that just come up. Whereas if you're under that and take home, if you're at 80 grand and take home, I just don't think you have to give one of those things up. And oftentimes you've seen what people give up is, oh, I'm not going to pay my student loans or I'm going to defer them, defer, defer. That becomes a monster that the only solution to that's death. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way it gets knocked down. Uh, or they, you know, they never own a home. They never, whatever. You see a lot of people living with their folks and they're like 35 years old and stuff. All these sad situations. Well, I want to aim at that $200,000 mark, right? Now, total income doesn't just mean what you got paid as being the provider in your, in your clinic. It also means you get some pay as an owner, you get paid you know, for other things. But I want to keep it tight around 200K and some rules about it. That has to be the take-home income of the doctor. That doctor can be the only doctor in their practice. So you can't say, oh, I'm going to hire five associates to get to that. It's the only doctor. Now, you can have as many staff members as you want, um, unlicensed staff members, uh, what are some other rules we should put around it just to make sure we're talking, we're comparing apples to apples here. That uh, when you look at a basic business that the mar- ratios are reasonable. So like if you're running a, the example we'll talk about is like a $400,000 business and your rent is eight grand, 10 grand a month, you know, you're going to be paying a lot out there. And so we're going to assume that, you know, if you look up on average, what your marketing cost should be, your rent should be 10%, like some of those basic parameters. So if those are all in line with where they should be, you know, the, the, that then the numbers can work obviously in any crazy situation, whether it's the owner has a drug addiction, uh, the owner spends 10 grand on rent when they shouldn't, the owner buys too much equipment and they have on payments like that all throws some of this off where they pay a staff member, they have a personal assistant and an office assistant and a front desk assistant. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I think this is clean. All right. Well, good. So the, the goal is, is hitting that. What I want to do in this conversation is talk about two different pathways. And obviously in business, there's a million pathways you can do it. Uh, this is the way I would do it. Uh, I would love to hear how you would get somebody there. Um, you know, Justin does offer some masterminds and whatnot. So if you hear uh, something you like, definitely uh, look into that. Where can people find your masterminds or find more uh, about you if they're interested? Easiest places at Justin Rabinowitz on Instagram. That is a link to obviously all my content, but that on my podcast yeah. as well, which you've been a guest on. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I want to talk about this. So um, how would you recommend somebody get to $200,000 of total income as a clinic owner and as a clinician? So the math that I'm going to talk about, I'll go through it like I'll, we can break it down. I'll go through it sort of quickly and then we can 
based based on nuance, but the math is very, very basic. And I think it's easy to do this because a lot of people in business, they get so overwhelmed so quickly about like, it seems like a lot, but when you break it down, like I did, this is like fourth grade math, which is great because at least <laughs> gives us a target on where to get to. And so at the basic, most basic level, if you are making, don't worry about how many patients, a minute, whatever, if you're generating $275 per hour for uh, 30 hours a week, right? That's 8250 per week. And you do that 48 weeks a year, which means you have four weeks off. So 275 times 30 is 8250 times 48 weeks. That basically gets you to $400,000, a shade under $400,000 in total revenue, right? So, and I just wanted to find this in case there's some students listening or something. When Justin says total revenue, that's all the money that went into the business from all sources, credit cards, swipes, cash paid, checks, and if you're taking insurance, all that stuff. That's only money into the business. Correct. From that, you obviously have to pay for the building. You have to pay for your staff. You have to pay everything. And you have to pay the provider. Yes. AKA the licensed professional, which may be yourself. You may be paying yourself, but that's common in business. You do that. But the total revenue you're saying is about 400K that you start out with in that equation. Correct. Yep. That's okay. the pot. That's the pot of yep. money. Okay. Now, from there, and we talked about it being a solo practice, it's just you. Mm-hmm. Most likely in our model, from what I've seen, because you know, you don't have thousands of patients and you don't have crazy overhead and you don't have tons of providers and all these different things, you could probably get away with two two staff members, part-time, full-time. We'll talk about pay later. But because of that, because you don't have all these people running around and payrolls in that high, you can also make about a 30% profit margin on that number, which will come into play later. Yeah. So So, some businesses run 10%, 20%, 30%. But if you have $400,000, 30% profit, meaning what's left after everything is about 120,000 left at the end. Okay. Right. So, and again, I know it's easy, but it's not easy. In general, what you and I have heard, and this is where for some of you guys that are overwhelmed by hearing this, like good, because you need to hear this because this is how your business runs and this is how you're going to get to your numbers and you have to understand the basic ratios. We say in practice as a provider, typically a provider can make about a third as a provider, as a provider. If you treat patients, you can take about a third for the work that you do, right? So if you make 400,000 and that's all you, you can times that by a third or 33%. And that gives you $132,000 salary for what you do. So Greg Crabshee in Simple Numbers 2.0, he always says, right? Your salary is you get paid for what you do, being a chiropractor. And the profit, the distribution is for what you own. Yeah. So So that if, let's say, Justin broke his arm and couldn't practice for a year, and he says, I'm going to hire somebody to come in and treat people, and you're keeping all numbers the same, essentially what you're saying is it's worth about a hundred and what'd you say? $32,000 to pay Joe Blow off the street to come into my practice and treat everybody. About a third. Yeah. Of the gross revenue you pay them. And that's about mm-hmm. uh, pretty standard across the board. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So, so give us some, uh, what, you know, kind of the feel of what does it look like? What is it? What does it look like for somebody to be making that amount of revenue to get to 132 of take home. We haven't talked, I'm sorry, we haven't talked about distribution yet, Correct. but in this model, you're talking about somebody that's working how many hours a week, uh, how many, you know, what's their price point at, how many staff members take to run it, et cetera. 
Yeah. So let's start with the most basic level. And a lot of people want to make it more complicated than it is. But if you're charging a person $275 an hour, so before people drive off the car, uh, drive off the street, it is possible to get people to pay you that. If you have one person per hour at 275 bucks at 30 hours a week, so that's 30 patients a week. Mm-hmm. Right, and so we're not talking massive numbers now. Yep. The, the the false belief in business oftentimes is that you have to. Get, we're talking about thirty hours of patient care. We're not talking thirty new patients, right? Like it could be thirty hours of patient care. Patients that are coming in twice a week or whatever. Correct. Yeah, thirty yeah. hours of okay. care. If you're in a room with yep. people paying two seventy five, whether it's package, whatever. If it's two seventy five per time someone walks in the door to see you for 30 hours per week, however you mm-hmm. do it, it could be the same person mm-hmm. 30 hours. That's the numbers that it gives you, mm-hmm. right? Now, the, the false belief in business, and the reason why I want people to sort of stretch and think this way is because I, I every week I hammer this lesson and people still forget um, it is easier to get less people to pay more money than it is to get a lot of people to pay less money. And this is the number one problem that I see in practice, which I know is a bit of a tangent, but I just want to stretch people's thinking to let them know that it is possible. You know, I was listening to uh, Mr. Beast on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. And ironically, he said basically the same thing. He said, it's way easier to get one video to have a hundred million views than to try and produce a hundred videos that will create 1 million views each. It's all the same to you because you get the, your ad revenue on YouTube is based on views. And he said, it's way less effort to do that. And, you know, like, it's always funny to me, those principles hold true, whether we're saying it's chiropractic or you're selling, you know, apple pies in in Albany, New York, it doesn't matter. It's way easier to get one company to buy more apple pies by a thousand apple pies than to find a thousand different people to buy one pie. So it's a, it's worth talking about. And, uh, also, when you provide that high level of care for a fewer people, strangely, those fewer voices with higher level of care produce more referrals than a higher number of people with a lower level of care. For example, there's a local orthopedic group that uh, here that also owns their own physical therapy. And I was looking online. They have 12 staff PTs, 12. And on their website, they have 20 different PTAs listed, which to me means they probably have about 40 PTAs, right? Okay. So think about big orthopedic group, 12 providers, 20 PTAs. So how many people are churning through that place every year? They have 13 Google reviews. <laughs> That's, That's barely one per provider if you want to look at it like that. And I'm thinking, I wonder if that's because they're not providing great care. Nobody feels emotionally moved to do anything. And, you know, everybody goes on with that kind of thing. If they were to cut it down, and instead of doing, you know, four or six people an hour in some crappy checklist type care, what if they provided ultra high level care? Emotionally, it's going to be different, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyways, 12 reviews. 12 reviews for a place that has 12 providers. And, and I just, I mean, the orthopedic group has got like surgeons galore. So you're just churning through people left and right. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, there's other factors. Some of you will be like, oh, they're all Medicare patients. Cool. Still, like the review should be higher than one per doc. Or one per license professional. All right. So uh, what are the hurdles or what are the barriers to getting into what you're saying? So for example, if you want to have a clinic gym hybrid, obviously physical space is going to be a little bit different, right? And I will tell it, and when I go into my thing, what you're doing every week needs to change a little bit 
to serve that model. So to serve your model, what, what do people need to think about? I mean, the number one thing, if you're going to be doing a model like this, is you, to your point before, you are delivering a higher level of care and you're spending more time and all those things are true. However, people don't know that until they experience it. Yeah. And so that brings in another level, a different skill set and going back to sort of the marketing and sales to be able to get there. Now, the other problem that we have in this model is it's so new in mm-hmm. treating this way. Most of us still, you know, I shouted docs, I'm sure you did. And, and some of my mm-hmm. people in my mastermind still shadow docs that have built mm-hmm. their practice on insurance or low volume, low cost, high volume of people. And it's hard to build a business because it's a very different business. It's, 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 the same business mm-hmm. by chiropractic and name in general. In in general, it's the same name, but it's a very different business model. So <laughs> going back, the ba- the barrier is that we have to have a different level of of skill in order to do it. It's not good enough to say when a patient calls, "Do you take my insurance?" Yes, we'll see you at noon. There's a level of skill to get there. Like we start at the highest level, thirty patients a week, which in a a insurance or Medicare model is is no problem. Thirty patients a week in a high value care, you know, high cost. It's yeah. it is obviously not easy at all. Yeah. So with your uh, folks in your mastermind and stuff, where does the most difficult coaching lie? It's a good question. I mean the whole the whole reason we're doing this is I think mindset, right? Yeah. Is we got to shift the mindset to this raising that aim point. Up. I mean, we're more than doubling it for most people I talk yeah. to, you know, but I think it's important to do that. The, um, the, the challenge that we face specifically with our mastermind members is typically they come in two forms. The first one is like people that you probably meet at the chiropractic colleges. You're like, this guy or girl is going to be a stud. They just got to get out and get going. They're motivated. Mm-hmm. They speak well. They're willing mm-hmm. to do the work and do all of that. Like they're going to be fantastic. So they sort of start there and and then you have They're the not other the valedictorian. Ones. I mean, right, all the science exactly. that say you're going to be successful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then you have the other ones who really actually is our ideal client in the group that are already in practice three to five years. They're usually making eight to 12,000 a month and they just need price structure. They understand. Yeah. Go ahead. Just when we're talking eight to 12 grand of revenue a month revenue. or take home. Revenue. Okay. So yeah. they're making eight to 12,000 a month. Their prices are off. They don't have a marketing strategy. They yeah. don't understand their business model. They don't know who their customers are. That second one is significantly easier because they already have the thing running. Mm. It's going, we, yeah. we just have to sort of go in there and tweak it a little bit. It's like, we got the car, mm. the engine's there. It just needs a little oil, right? My, uh, my, my marketing mentor always said like, you don't want to be in a situation where you're trying to convince uh, a woman to go on her, get her first boyfriend you just want to offer a different, better boyfriend. That's right. That's right. It's a better business model, right? It's kind of like if you, if people have watched, you know, Shark Tank or Marcus Lemonis, some of those guys that do it, they always, for the most, they don't want to do startups because startups are hard, right? Right. It's so they want to buy a business and be able to go in and turn levers and turn knobs to make it better. It happens a lot faster. Right. Yeah. I mean, a a mismanaged juggernaut is, is quickly going out of business, you know? but it's really easy to turn around. Like uh, they did Peter Luger's in New York, you know, I mean, world famous steakhouse, yeah. kajillions in, in yearly revenue. It's just going in the tank and it's not hard to crank the, the wheel the other way, you know? Yep. And they cash only. I've been there a lot, actually. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. They it's, Peter it's Luger great. credit cards. Yeah. It's great too, because I went there one time and uh, the servers, your, your name could be listed on the front page of their res- reservation sheet. And they just like, leg you like you're, you're a pile of trash. Like, who are you? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. We've been with 6 p.m. I don't have you. Yeah. Like, I can see my name on your sheet. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, great. I get it. I Leads get it. To it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, 
So that's what it looks like weekly. And the struggle maybe is, um, this is like 30 hours of patient care. You would recommend or encourage people to go with one hour visits for the full boat because you're just going to have less things to deal with, aka less patients to handle. And that gets us to about how much in monthly salary for the doc. 132 is a little over 10 grand, right? Yeah. 10 grand. 11 grand, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So the doctor is getting paid about 11 grand for their, a month for their work as a doctor. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about distribution. Yeah. So, uh, important point and a, a very hot topic in my mastermind group of understanding. I don't understand how much I should get paid. How much do I pay myself? What's the difference between profit and net income mm-hmm. and all of those type of things? And so, mm-hmm. um, or earnings as some people, yeah, you know, different terms can mean the same thing essentially. Yeah. Like, so as an example, you know, people come to me and they'll say like, my accountant said we're really profitable, but there's no money left. It's like, yeah, because you're getting paid a salary and there's profit, but you're taking all the profit. So there's no money left, but on paper, you still make a profit. And so it's an interesting concept that we've sort of tried to hammer and work through that a lot of people. And even me, uh, this happened to me recently where I see a profit on my P&L and I asked my CFO, I'm like, all right, I know this is profit on paper, but how much money do I have left at the end of the month? And it was a different number. And so it's very, very important. Very, very important. It's great. Yeah. And the other thing is, you got to think too, let's say the, the company has, you know, a hundred grand left in profit on December 31st of this year. It's, that doesn't mean you want to distribute or send out all that profit, right? Like, do you want to buy some equipment? Do you want to upgrade the office? Do you want to do anything or, or Christmas bonuses? All those things may affect that number. So even if it does make a hundred grand in profit, that doesn't mean that's going straight to Justin or Josh, right? You might say, I'm going to take 50 of profit and leave the other 50 in there. Although that is still profit at the end of the year, that because you're the business owner, I mean, it belongs to you, if nothing else. You get to make a decision what to do. I I think what you just said there is so important that us as business owners, no one really talks about that, right? Mm -hmm. We live in a world where it's like normal to be a W-2. I always used to Mm -hmm. joke, like uh, my mom would say to me early in business when I was reinvesting, she would say like, you should just make as much as you can and take home as much as you can. And I was like, all right, Mm -hmm. like I understand. And I get frustrated. And then I thought, like my mom was a teacher. And so imagine if at the end of like two weeks when she got her pay period, pay check, she got it and the number left. She's like, you know what? I'm going to give some back to the school district. Like that's not a thing. No one gives money back in. But in theory, as a business owner, that profit to your point right. before of like, do I take it home? Do I put it back into the business? Do I reinvest? And that's where yeah. I think the discussion that all of us should start to be thinking about, even if we haven't even gotten started yet of what happens after I get paid to like do the work there's money left over, hopefully, in this case, 30% margin, which is 120000 What do I do with all that money? And mm-hmm. that's sort of where the conversation goes. Okay. So, so if, you're, if you're making 132 as a salary for like treating patients or doing your job, 30 hours mm-hmm. a week, 275, that's $132,000 salary. But we said the business has 30% profit margin, which means there's $120,000 left, meaning that's $10,000 a month that to your, your point before, Josh, what the heck do you do with it? Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 the numbers here, well, if you said, I'm going to take home every single dollar, you could walk away with a, a, a take-home pay of $252,000, right? You're saying 132 of- 132 of, of salary. Salary. And 120 of profit. Of distribution. Distribution. That's 252. Okay. 
That's like so it. you can take that and you're good. And, and then you just kind of take all the profit out and month on month, you got to keep kind of doing the thing and you sort of stay there. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. The problem though, going back into the nuance of the conversation is, do I want to take all of it? Do I need to take mm-hmm. all of it? Do I want to mm-hmm. hire someone else? Do I want to reinvest in space and equipment? And that's mm-hmm. where I think sort of the nuance of the conversation and to what level, which is always personal, which, you know, if you want to mm-hmm. kind of go into some situations um, of, of how you might think about it in, in, in your life of, of how much to actually take. Yeah. I've, I think you're right on. Um, any tips on uh, helping people see that profit in their business. Because I think what a lot of owners do is they just said, Hey, all this money came in, I paid everything. So the leftover, you know, they're not on a, uh, they're not on a W2 where they're taking out Medicare and social security every month on their own salary. Right. They're just like, ah, whatever, I'll take some and give some and leave some and take some, um, any, any tips or tricks on, on seeing that profit? I think additional 120. The scenario you played out before of like you break your arm, you're out and you have to pay someone. Yeah. I think we have to think about the business in those terms. So Mm -hmm. like, what would it cost me to replace myself? And I give away that salary to somebody else. And now Mm -hmm. what's actually left in the business. The problem that a lot of people have is they conflate all the different payments that they would make, not like what they would pay someone to replace themselves and what the price. Profit is well. You wouldn't give an employee profit, but yeah. we take profit home because in the business, if you think about it, you sort of wear two hats. If you're the business owner of Strive to Move, if it's me, like I am an employee, I do the work, and I also am the owner, and so those are two different things. And we don't think of it that way because when two thousand dollars comes in our account, it's like it's just my money. Oh, it's all mine. Yeah. Exactly. And I think just live the level of thought and conversation of like, all right, how much of this is for that work that I've done with my hands and how much of this is for what I own of the business? Because those in theory should be two different things. Even worse than that, which I hear, it drives me insane. Like I'll hear people that come, I said, how much, how much do you pay yourself? Well, I don't really make a salary. It's like, okay, well, how do you pay your mortgage? And they're like, oh, I like, I, I just take out what I need. And then I always say to them, I said, I hope you have a good accountant. Because I'm assuming that your accountant looks at it and says they kind of they do it for you and make the books work. But if you don't have any idea of what you're actually making in the business at all, like if you're like, I don't know what I make, like we we have a big problem because number one, it just you don't know your numbers, you don't know if you can hire, you don't know what the profit margins are. But realistically, you would also be someone that unfortunately, if your accountant is an asshole, you would go to jail because they might not be doing it. And the IRS comes in and said, You made no money this year and you paid your mortgage. Well, how did that work? Right. You used your business ex- account as a personal account and blah, blah, blah. And there was, you never, because you didn't take a salary. That's another thing. The IRS will look at that and say like, Hey, you're taking a salary, but you're not paying any taxes on it as that employer. It's clear that that's what's happening. So, uh, we got our accountant a few years ago, gave me a, a firmly worded sit down conversation about that to say like that you need to pay yourself a reasonable salary, you know? Yeah. 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 So just to give people again, a context, when you're a business owner, it's worse for taxes to be paid as a W2 employee. But to your point, some, you need to be paid a reasonable rate, which is what they say in the IRS code, which is, that's what it is. It's, it's like, no one knows what that means though. If the IRS comes in and you're not taking anything that's quote unquote reasonable, they'd be like, all right, you can't take all this money without paying right. the FICA Medicare on it, which again, we talk to our mastermind members about because they don't teach you this. No one teaches you in school. And you right. know, cert- 
certain other things. And just, again, I'll just share this because it just happened to me. Um, I didn't know that, and you know, I, I study this stuff. I have CFO, whatever. I never knew that if you pay someone as a W-2 employee, that you can't also, you shouldn't also pay them as a 1099. And so like, if I would give staff bonuses sometimes in the past, I might like write them a check or something. I had no idea. I just thought you could, I didn't know. It wasn't like I was trying to do anything. And I just real, they, I was like, Hey, you can't do that anymore. But just like, these are things that having the financial literacy in your business, because I think a lot of people get in trouble, not because they're, stu- not because they're trying to take advantage. They're just ignorant. You know what I mean? And I was ignorant. hundred percent. I mean, the, the tax code is so deep and, and varied that like, of course you're going to miss stuff, but if you can just learn some basics, you know, it's like, I don't know if uh, I'm trying to think of something where, you know, on a bike, like you don't have to be able to go to the X games and perform on a half pipe, but can you just like ride around your neighborhood, go up on a curb, come off on a curb, take a hard, you know, turn right, turn left and stop uh, in case of something happening. You can ride almost anywhere for as long as you want, right? Like it's just safe. But if you can't even balance the bike, I'm not going to talk to you about taking a hard right turn or getting up on a curb, right? Like, and I think a lot of people are, they're, their bike is still, they're still falling over on the bike and skinning their knees. <laughs> just a few things here that will make a huge difference. Yeah. Now, one thing that I found, and I think it's a, so like early in my marriage, we did that Dave Ramsey, you know, like uh, whatever financial peace financial university. Peace. Yep. Yeah. And he's like, go cash. And I think to your point about like, imagine paying employees, imagine you paid your employees cash. And then they had to pay back at that moment. They had to pay back the amount in taxes. Like there was a bucket there. And it's like, all right, I'm paying you three grand and go ahead and put $846 back into that bucket. They'd be like, this is, this is insane. Why do we do this? It, you know, our crazy tax code only works because they get their money afterwards, you know? Um, anyways, so we did that Dave Ramsey thing. And, and I think that what I learned there is the psychology around money is a bigger issue than calculating interest rates and, you know, ROI and all that in, in a is, lot of ways. Is the issue. Yeah. And so my tip for those like wondering uh, the profitability, I love that book Profit First by Michael Michalowicz. And so when at the end of every month, you know, pay yourself the salary, that's going to get you a lot of, you're going to come to some realizations there. Maybe you're not getting paid enough or maybe, oh my God, I didn't realize what a huge hit it was. And then take the, uh, if it's a 30% profit margin, take 30% of the, of the revenue and throw it in a profit account labeled profit, you know? And just sending it to the bank in that account instead of having a blended account makes a huge difference. And it was shocking to me after like six months when I was like, holy crap, that's our profit? Oh, that's amazing. You know, and, and it gave me a great feeling in my business like, oh, it's clear that we're, we're doing well, you know? Yeah, I think and it's a good same. point. It's a good yeah. point just to kind of to, to make sure that people are recognizing um, when everything is sort of commingled as you're talking about and there is no clarity, that's when burnout happens because you just don't know like what's at where you're working really hard. There's nothing to show for it. Or at the end of the year, the accountant's like, wow, you did great this year. And you're like, I don't have any money. And it's like, none of those are good. Like this is a long game. And if you don't see the fruits of it as you're having success and don't, can't recognize it from a simple number standpoint like that, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to be a long journey and one that you won't be in that long. Yeah. Great point. So, um, well, just for the sake of time, I want to jump over into my, my, uh, pathway that I would, that I kind of put together. How do you get to 200 to 250 in, in take home? And, you know, interestingly, I came to almost the same conclusions. You have to find a way to get to 250 an hour. You just have to, right. 
Now, the way I do that, I prefer like half hour visits because I feel like after the initial exam, that half hour allows me to do some treatment and also see, uh, coach them through some, some rehab, kind of a good blend of those two things. Um, under that, I find I can't, I, I have to choose is today a rehab visit or is it a treatment visit, right? In my, in my little, whatever you want to say, like, uh, what do they call that rubric of, of treatment in my mind? But in the end, you got to average out $250 an hour for the times you treat. So I charge, you know, I would charge $250 for the hour eval um, and $135 uh, if I was doing half hours. That $135 is when you, as soon as you break it up, you're going to get more cancellations or more gaps in your schedule. You know, so one thing about Justin's 30 hours a week is it's, it's much easier if you're only worried about filling 30 slots. As soon as you do what I do, you got to break it into somewhere between 45 and 60 slots that you got to fill. So it just becomes more work. But anyway, so 250 an hour. Now I will say I worked, uh, uh, for a while we had a private facility that, you know, had a, a track man in there and did a lot of 3d evaluation. And I've taken that all the way up to an hour and a half at 695. So you can charge almost whatever you want, as long as you dance the way the person paying you wants you to dance, you know, they want to go to a golf place and, uh, they see the golf stuff. It's, it's amazing what happens. Um, also story of, <laughs> I don't know, things you never consider that place had to close because the neighbor who rented 7,000 square feet versus us renting 1500 square feet, didn't like the sound of golf balls being hit in her Pilates studio. So she told the landlord it's, it's him or us. And obviously uh, the landlord's like, I'm going to side with my biggest tenant, you know? Do you want to hear a good golf simulator story to, as an aside, sure. you'll appreciate sure. this. So my, uh, my father-in-law is in the carpeting industry. One of his good friends is in the marble, does like high-end marble. So at these high-end apartment complexes in either Jersey city or New York city, a lot of these have simulators and they're super nice. And about six months into them having the simulator, the, the apartment called them and said, your, your marble sucks. Like everything's chipped. The balls, you said it wasn't going to happen. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> so he's like, all right, well, let me see what's going on. Can I see your surveillance tapes? So sure enough, he goes to surveillance tapes and he starts watching. These guys come in, they hit the ball, everything's fine. And all of a sudden they hit a bad shot. What happens next? They take their golf club and slam it into the marble. And all of a sudden that's where the chips are coming from. So uh, just a, a lesson in making sure that a customer complaint is actually valid. Anyhow, keep going. That's funny. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember where I was, but going back. So, so yeah, $250 an hour. If you're not there, I just don't know. You just can't survive. I mean, I just don't know how you're going to do it. Um, but anyways, I would drive that up towards 300 if I could. But assuming $250 an hour and assuming about 30 hours a week of treatment um, gets me up pretty close to where you were. I mean, I was saying it's three 330 of total revenue for the, the year based on that, um, based on that uh, single provider, right? So the difference was I was saying that to get the additional money, so they're also going to get a distribution from the 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 clinic. Let's assume that's going to happen. But the other way I was going to make up uh, more money is, again, going to these few things. If you can find a few patients who want to train at your facility, do the exercise classes, and you charge them a membership. So that membership to me is $300 a month, and you're getting three classes uh, a month. You can include other amenities or an adjustment or whatever you want to do, but 300 and that's coached by somebody other than you. So you're now you have staff that are doing it. I find that those best, the best trainers for those facilities started out as CAs. They're at your table side. They're helping you rehab people. They understand what it's like to work with somebody who's in pain or how grumpy they are, or, you know, how easy it is to re-injure someone, but you're training them to do that. 
And so you're offering, and if you can have just 25 members a year, 25 members actively paying 300 a month, that's basically 90K in additional revenue. Okay. So three, 300 bucks a month, 25 members gets you 90K. What I find is the numbers are very similar 30 ish percent profit margin, 30 ish percent pay to the trainer and whatnot. So the, the, uh, the owner ends up with another 40 grand in distribution. Okay. Didn't coach any of those classes, but you get that 40 grand in distribution plus the distribution from your clinic. And that gets you up to that 200 to 250 range. Okay. So, and that's with just 25 members, which is not a lot of members and you're running classes. Uh, that the requirement there would be, you have to have an additional about 400 square feet, minimal equipment, really high end coaching, and you need to run at least three classes a day of four people, or you just don't have space for those 25. So three classes a day of four people. Um, obviously you can go from there. Now the hurdles here are a little bit different. The reason they either succeed or fail is the amount of effort that the owner puts into training those CA slash trainers. If you put in no effort by the end of the year, you will have no members. It's seen it time and again, or you'll have like just the two members that just, you know, Aunt Edna who just loves you so much that she's going to come in. So what this means to me is you, you are also dedicating about two hours a week of directed training. One hour of those is at least, at least one hour of doing a full team meeting, right? And every week talk about whatever the subject is this week. But if it's, Hey, Justin, this week, we're going to talk all about, you know, uh, facet pain in the lumbar spine. Okay. And you know how that affects everything. And you would go over things like people may notice that their back gets cranky after doing planks or, you know, uh, back squats and blah, blah. And here's how to solve that. Here's what we could do to train it. Here's how we'd modify. And the goal is you got to provide a high-end service to those members. You want your trainers talking about that same thing. Oh, Justin, I noticed that your back was a little cranky after last time. There's a good chance, or after I look, talked to, you know, Dr. Josh, there's a good chance that comes from your facet syndrome. You remember having that? Yes. Okay. So we're going to build some training challenges around that to make sure you can still get strong without those. Right. Now, if you do that and you get three or 25 members at 300 a month, I will tell you, you're going to also get this second chunk. I don't want to confuse things, but I've seen this enough. You will get a chunk of about 10 to 20% of people that now want to do private training. When you impress them so much with a super high end service, like you're seeing in your, in your mastermind members, Justin, like the people that have the money go, this is two fifty an hour stuff for the birds. Like I want, I want the good stuff <laughs> and they'll pay ridiculous amounts. So after a year, I would say that you're going to have a very high end membership for us. It was 1500 bucks a month. We only had six people in it, but 1500 bucks a month of membership to train people. I'll take it every day, right? Like I'm not going to turn my nose at it. And you'll also, those people want one-on-ones and stuff. And then you'll also have a ton of referrals from your perfect target market. So for us, Older golfers banged up, lots of injuries will constantly bring their older golfer banged up friends and be like, Oh yeah, talk, you know, talk to so and so about your back. I'm sick of you complaining on the, on the, you know, on the course, which is exactly what you want. But what I'm saying is it's a hurdle to get to 25 members. And then that flywheel starts spinning and creating its own membership draw. Right. But I'll go back. The hurdle is making sure you are training the hell out of your team. And people do like, oh, I trained them for like a month and a half, but they're good now. No, they're not. They're not anywhere near good. It's like saying, hey, I got my white belt and I'm good now. No, you just started on this journey. 
So the time, the thinking time to say like, what am I going to teach them about? The thinking time about like, how are we going to structure this? And then the time to get the whole team together and be like, we are training this and educating to provide a service that's worth 300 bucks a month. That's the secret sauce. A lot of people do like, well, we're going to train a little bit and it's a service worth about a hundred bucks a month. That's not going to get you here. Right. Right. Anyways. Strangely, what we see is after about two years, most of the time, the in somebody who's really pushing the, the limits, the good news is the revenue from the gym will cover the cost of doing business in the gym and the clinic. And so like, if I just wipe out all your, all your expenses, <laughs> that clinic income becomes real exciting, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but that's blending them together and whatnot. So anyways, that's how I would do it. I would start this second company and kind of do an extension of people are doing stuff that you're teaching them to do. And they're generating a profit center for you. I love it. Yeah, I think my takeaway from listening to you is that there's a way. You know, I think so many of us, we get into this and that's sort of the premise of our whole thing is that I remember being in school and thinking the only way that you can make money doing this is by being like the other guys, the high volume, whatever, Kairos that we don't like uh, or that we don't agree with, not that we don't like, but you know, whether it's a clinic gym hybrid or maybe a high value care rehab model, you know, there's a way to do the thing that we want to do, the rehab, the exercise, uh, and get paid well for it and run a good business and have a solid client list. Um, it's not easy. Like it's not easy at all. It requires a different skill set. might require to, to think differently than the people you went to Cairo school with or the people you were taught by, but it's absolutely possible. And I think we said it, I'll say it again. What my mentor always did for me was just show me that it was possible. And once I knew it was possible, it just was time, effort, and energy to get there. Yeah. Uh, lots of good signing points there. Like it is possible. You know, the thing that is going in my mind right now is I think like with many other things you do in life, the biggest enemy is ego because I would guess that the toughest moment for a lot of folks in your mastermind is when they sit, when they correct their pricing and they do it and they get their first no, they take it as an affront against themselves. Not that the customer just doesn't see the value or doesn't have the money, which those are two fine things, but they're taking it in front of themselves. And so they go back to their old ways, right? For me, what I see in the clinic gym hybrid is I get a ton of people saying, I want to have a clinic gym hybrid. And I say, you got to coach trainers. And they said, no, I want to do the training myself or we're not ready for that. I'm like, so you want a second job? You want a second full-time job, like 30 more hours of, of working with clients. So you're working 60 hours a week to make a little bit more. And I think it's, you know, Yet in mentors and, and, you know, the people that have guided me in my path, they are the most willing to get somebody else, uh, else's opinion. They're the most willing to go in an outside source. They're the most willing to give the reins to somebody else if that person's qualified, you know? They're not like, oh, I need to do the training because I'm the only one that understands these things. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think in, in where we're going in business is, you want to, <laughs> you don't want to be like Thor. He's super attractive, right? Great hair, huge muscles, get blessed by the gods. That's awesome. But that's not us. You want to be like Iron Man. He's like, Hey, I'm going to work hard and build this thing. And then I can take that thing off and turn a normal human into a superhero, which he does, right? His buddy borrows the suit. But I think the Thor is like, I, that's the ego, right? Like I want to be the one that's known for the great care. I want to be the one that's known as a great trainer. I'm the one that wants to be, I want people to know me as the number one person. And that doesn't get us anywhere in business. 
right? So, yeah. Anyways, uh, any other thoughts about this? We got these two paths. The the number one takeaway that if if anyone's out there listening, whether you haven't started or are in business already, I do think the basic line of start with the end in mind, even if it's not true, even if you don't know, like if we just start at a number, right? A number, 300,000, 500,000, 200,000, start at the end and then just take your phone out with the calculator and just start saying, you know, $200 an hour, this many hours a week. And just start to see, put it on paper. You know, when we teach marketing, we always say, if it won't work on paper, it won't work. And I think most people struggle because they never actually put it on paper. And literally I have a business because no one ever put it on paper. Like you mentioned before that $60, $70 for a half an hour. If we just put it on paper, we'd be like, oh, this isn't going to work. And then again, what a lesson to learn before you kind of get going into it that like what we'd rather not get going in a business model that doesn't work. But I can't tell you how many people just never actually do the work to just start with like, this is the end goal and let's just work backwards and see what it looks like. And if you arrive at an answer you don't like, great. Best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah, I think great point. Um, And again, when you talk to these mentors and people that uh, I'm sure you've treated some guys that are, worth hundreds of millions of dollars and whatnot. Um, they really simplify the hell out of it. I mean, with a calculator, they'll tell you like this, this business won't ever work. You know, I was talking to one that uh, <laughs> he owns 47 gas stations. The guy makes a ton of cash. Right. And he said the, the best way to keep track of food prices versus oil prices or transportation costs, just compare, he goes, go to any one of our stores, compare a gallon of milk to a gallon of gas. And it'll tell you which one's higher. So if gas is a dollar higher than milk, oil prices are, are shooting through the roof and then food prices go. And he says they're always like that. But it's amazing that it can come to that because they worked it out on paper. You know, they know like, eh, it's got to be this much per per hour, per day, per employee, right? So I have I had a patient. Um, he worked the, he, the gun corporation or the biggest like a stuffed animal producer in the world. And he was CEO, founder of the company. He retires. And then six years later, he's back in. And I said to him one day, I was like, you know, how'd you get back in? And he said, well, I thought I was ready to retire. So private equity came and bought our company and I was good and I was out. And then I played golf and I realized I was kind of bored. And then one day the private equity company called me and they wanted me back because the company was failing. And I, and, and I said, so like the, how's the company doing now? He's like, yeah, we're doing great. And I was like, well, what did you do? And you Came back in. I thought he was going to have this big scheme and plans. He goes, it was pretty simple. He's like, they just didn't realize that if you made it for $1, you had to sell it for two. And I was like, oh, what else? He's like, no, 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 that was it. They just didn't realize (laughs) if you made it for one, you had to sell it for two. And once we got back in, I just did that and everything was fine. Yeah. I hope people listening are hearing too. Like, you know, Justin has offered a lot of insight and without talking to each other, that $250 or 275 range came up in both of our equations, right? So I just don't think there's any way to avoid that. And I would say, uh, if you like, I'll admit, like when I've had to sell my services, you know, talk to the person about the cost. Yes, it's uncomfortable for the first five or six, and then it gets easy. And then you're almost like spitting it out. Like I want you want them to say no, or you know, I've had times where I'm like, we don't have the capacity. Like, you know, uh, I should probably double this cost. And um, but it's uncomfortable. Like, and you got it. You know, it's getting over it. It's just like. I'm sure you remember in school, like you do your first uh, lumbar or neck and it doesn't go well. And you have to apologize to your adjusting buddy. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't do that well. That's just part of business. But once you get to that 250 or 275 number, 
the funny thing to me is it ain't that hard to go to 300 an hour or 325 or 350. And the amount of profit within there is significantly more, significantly more. So that's something for another day. But I was listening to like a clip of you on Instagram or something. You're talking about, uh, I think it was a golf guy. And you said he went from like five grand a month to 35 or something like that. Like just no, no additional staff, no facility, just, Hey, here's, you know, let's do it for this amount now. Uh, did he just increase his price and that was it? That solved all the problems or yeah, is it basically I mean, my, it? Yeah. Instead, I mean, my buddy the other $2 day, instead of $1 kind of thing. <laughs> my buddy the other day, he's like one of the, he's a head pro at like a really high end country club. He's young. He's under thirties, the golf mm-hmm. digest top train, whatever under, th- yeah, I said, yeah. how you doing? He goes, I'm doing great, but it's that time of year. And I said, just raise your price until someone gasps. Like he's mm-hmm. booked all day, every day, like can't get out. And it's like, yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Great. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate the time today, Justin. This has been a good conversation. I, pe- I hope people take it and say like, we got to be even higher. Uh, Cause the world's just way more expensive, you know, like <laughs> when your mom was a young teacher in her first 10 years, shouldn't have to pay a $200 cell phone bill. And, you know, there weren't all the requirements of, of, uh, of what there is now, you know, and softwares and all that stuff. So it's fantastic. Once again, if people want to find you, uh, how can they reach out to you or find you if they like what you're talking about? Yeah. At, uh, on Instagram at my name, Justin Rabinowitz. And then there you can find links to my podcast, which has gone really well. You were a guest, which I appreciate. And, uh, yeah. we have over a year, I think a year and a half of episodes at this point. So fantastic. That's awesome. Yep. And uh, if people are interested, you know, we teach this model of the clinic gym mostly through our, our live events. So our live event schedule will be published in another month and that'll cover us all the way, I think, till the end of 2024. So if you see an event there, go ahead and jump into it. Otherwise, Justin, I appreciate the time today. And as I say at the ever end of every episode, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Justin, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.